uh, elementary school, you know, all the way through, you know, we study about the armor of God and the different pieces and stuff. So I want us to kind of look at it uh, from a fresh from a fresh direction and, and maybe get some things out of it that will uh, take it to another level for us in our life. Because I believe this is really important in what he is talking about here. So, <clears throat> so let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 as we read about the armor of God today. All right, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authority, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. It's coming out all funny today. I don't know. With which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions and all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. And so as we look at this, uh, we find some interesting stuff in it. And I want to kind of break down this scripture today and we're going to talk about the first three pieces of armor today and uh, next week talk about the other three and uh, just really dive in this and kind of look about what, uh, what's going on here. And so as we look at this, uh, you know, he tells us to be strong in the Lord and His mighty power and he tells us why and how that we do that and, and it's through the armor of God. And so as we look into this, uh, the first thing I want to, to point out is that this is not a fear-based thing that he's telling us to do. Uh, it, it seems like, and I know I do this in my life, and uh, it's like seems like when the enemy comes to attack, we just kind of want to cower down in the corner and, and, and just kind of weather the storm and just hope we make it through. But, but I don't think that according to this scripture, that's what we're supposed to be doing, is it? No, it's not what we're supposed to be doing. And, and as we look at the different pieces of the armor and, and, and what they mean and what they stand for, we'll see that this isn't something that we're, we're coming up with our, on our own. It's not something that, that we're earning from God. But this is stuff that God has already given us. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is the things that we received at salvation and it's not things that we're earning or, or gaining or we're upgrading. You know, you think of all the little video games when you're battling and you have to upgrade your armor and you have to upgrade your sword. And do no, no, no. Christ has already given you these things. They're yours already and he's just telling you to put these on. Okay? Be prepared because the enemy's coming and this is what you're going to need. Okay? And so that's what we're looking at here. <coughs> it's not a fear-based thing because the devil's already defeated. That was a good place to amen right there. The devil's already defeated. The enemy that is attacking us has already lost the battle, okay? 
We go back to the cross. Jesus, he died on the cross for us. He went to hell. He defeated death. He defeated sin in our life. And he, he did all that. And he rose again on the third day. And now he gives us the keys to victory. So what we're doing here is we're not fighting for victory in our life. We are fighting from victory in our life. And this is the mindset that we've got to put on. This is what he's saying, to put these things on because these things are already yours, okay? And so, you know, usually in a battle, there's someone who's standing ground and there's someone trying to take ground, all right? We're not the ones trying to take ground here. We're the ones standing in victory already and they're trying to take our victory from us, okay? And, and so, notice... In the speech, as he's talking, he's not saying go and fight, but he's saying, he, he uses the phrase stand. Standing firm is, is what we're to be doing in this. We're not attacking, we're standing firm because we already have victory. We already have all that we need to live a godly life. It tells us in 2 Peter. And, and so we're not trying to gain something here, but we're trying to stand our ground in the place that we already are. All right, and the enemy is trying to take us out. And so uh, let's read this, verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God. Now, this is something that we're putting on, okay? This is not something that automatically happens. God doesn't put it on for us. He's given us these things, and he says, put these things on. Put all of it on. He says, so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. I want to talk about this verse for a few minutes here. Because I, I, I think lots of times we have a wrong idea about what we're fighting. People are not our problem. People are not our problem. The Democrats are not our problem. The Republicans are not our problem. <laughs> okay? Uh, people of different race are not our problem. People of different sexualities are not our problem. People from different nationalities, it's not our problem. People from different religions are not our problem. See, we have an enemy that is attacking us. Yes, he uses people, but people are not our problems. When we begin to see people as a problem in our life, then we're missing the point of the gospel. For God so loved the world. He loves people. And see, when we begin to fight against and talk about and, and all of this about people then we are downing the very people that we were made to reach. And so as we are in this battle, we don't need to look at people as who we are fighting against because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Now, there might be people saying stuff about you. There might be people trying to take certain things from us. But listen, that is not the issue. It's the spirit behind the people that's the issue, and that is what we need to fight. See, I, I'm tired of seeing Christians standing up in the name of, uh, of you know, whatever that you stand for in, in, in politics 
and, and you begin to bash people, and you're supposed to be reaching these people. Okay? Now, now, I'm all for politics. I'm all for voting. I believe that Christians need to vote. But if your joy rises and falls based on who's in the White House, then your hope is in the wrong place. Okay? Now, you know, there, I have certain beliefs as far as that stuff, but that's not what's going to dictate my life. You know what? Republicans, Republicans going to win next time. Democrats going to win the next time. And it goes back and forth. The economy goes up. The economy goes down. We go to war. We have peace. That's the cycle of life. That's the cycle of a nation. And if we get so wrapped up in, in politics and, and, and that's what makes us angry, then, dear Lord, we're doing the wrong thing. Do you think God's worried about politics? I think God's in control, right? It doesn't matter who's in office. He's still in control. His will is still being done. <laughs> I don't know why I'm harping on this so bad, but listen, guys. I, I, I'm tired of so many conversations revolving around this, and there's so much emotion wrapped up in it. And when there's people dying and going to hell, and we don't care. I, we're, we're missing the point of what our Christian life is about. See, these are the things that distract us that the enemy tries to do. See, as we look at the armor of God, there's five different things that the enemy will attack in our lives to try to get us to fall. All right? And most of these are distractions. Because like we said, our enemy is defeated already. He can't defeat us. All right? He can't take our salvation from us. If you're a Christian, you're going to heaven and there's nothing stopping that. He's mad and so he just wants us to get distracted and get angry and quit doing what we're supposed to be doing and bringing people into the kingdom of God. And, and, and so we've got to be careful of our focus in that we're not fighting against people. We're not fighting a, 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 a political battle, but we're fighting a spiritual battle and we need to keep our focus in on that. Now listen, I have strong political beliefs, all right? I'm not going to talk to you about most of them. The one that, I'm, the one that I will talk about is abortion. And, and I, I'm passionate about that one. But, but listen, that is not my focus. Our focus needs to be on Christ and about loving people into the kingdom of God. And, because, and, and if we're too busy bashing people because they have a different sexuality than us. Man, I'm supposed to be loving that person, not pushing them away. Just because you have a different religion than me and that because of political things that makes me against you. No, 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 no. I'm for you because God loves you. All right? And, and so we've got to be careful uh, of what we're battling that we don't get in the battle of flesh and blood because then it takes us out of the battle. All right, let's move on. All right, verse 13 it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So that, that verse has always kind of been weird to me. Like, I, I'm not a big English guy, but like, I'm like, okay, that, that 
sounds weird because it's saying to stand, to stand, to stand, you know, several times in it. But first of all, it, it says for us to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes. It didn't say if, but when. See, this is why he's talking about this, because we need to be prepared. Okay? The enemy is going to come in to attack. He's going to make us question some things in our life. And if we're not prepared, then it might catch us off guard and he might get us off track of, of God's will in our life. But, but it's interesting because in the phraseology of the way he says this, it's very interesting. He says, so that when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. See, you must be on some good ground if you're standing your ground, right? See, that's why we're talking about fighting from victory instead of fighting for victory. Because we already have victory in our life. We are standing our ground. We are, we are not cowering in the corner, weathering the storm, but we are standing our ground. But see, as we look at our life, lots of times when, when the battle begins, we're standing, but by the end of it, we're picking ourselves up off the ground. How many of you are tired of picking yourselves up off the ground after a battle? See, listen to what it's saying. He said, he said that said, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. He's saying after you've done everything, you're still standing. When you put on the armor of God, you're still standing at the end of the battle and you're not recovering from a blow. Because the armor of God that he has given us is there to protect our faith. He's there to protect uh, everything that Christ has given us to this point. See, if we have this mindset of, of oh no, here comes the next attack, then, then we don't have the armor of God on. All right? It should be, oh, here comes the next attack. I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Show me what you got because you're defeated. All right? It could get good, I'm telling you. All right, so let's get into this in verse 14. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth. Now, in, in, in the phraseology in, in this uh, particular translation, I think we miss what, what it's talking about. And, and so... If you look back in some of the more original languages, uh, translations like the King James, New King James, and some of those, it, it talks about girding your loins, all right? Now, how many of y'all have used either one of those words in the past year, girt or loins? <laughs> there you go, brother. I, I have never used those words in my life, but, but in that day and time, that meant something to them. All right. You know, he didn't say belt of truth. He said to to girt your loins. Uh, and, and what that meant back in those times, most during those days, most men wore like a robe type thing or a toga type clothing. And so when someone was told to girt their loins, what they would do is they would take the end of that and they would wrap it around their legs, tie it together and tuck it in their belt. And that means that they're ready. Okay, because, you know, if, you, if you're wearing a robe or something, you know, you, it kind of limits your, your movement. And so when someone would say, girt your loins up, they'd be, all right, let's get ready for action, whether that be to fight or to go to work or to run or do something like that. It, it was an act of preparing is, is what it was. And so when it talks about this first one, he says, you need to prepare yourself with the truth. Now, what's the truth? That's the question of the ages, right? 
you ask that question nowadays, like, well, my truth is this, and, and your truth might be something else, and, and, and not everybody has the same truth. Well, I think you missed the definition of what truth is, okay? Because truth is true no matter who you are, where you're at, or what time period you live in. The truth is the truth, all right? You can't have a truth and I can't have a different truth. That's not truth, okay? That's opinion. And, and so uh, I, I wish we got to choose our own truths, but the truth is the truth. And what he's talking about here is the truth of what the gospel teaches about Jesus Christ. See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That is the truth of what we're talking about here. And, and so... One of the first things that the devil will attack is the truth. I mean, just look at the world we live in, and you will see that that's his number one attack, is he is trying to make us question what is real, what is true. Because everybody wants to have their own truth now. And that's just, it just can't happen. It flies in the face of the definition, all right? I mean, I... I don't understand how you can choose a truth. But, um, but the truth of what the gospel teaches about Jesus is that Jesus is the only way to God. And, and uh, one of the big things when you start talking like this in the world, and, and you can see the attack of the enemy, is that they begin to say, well, if God is such a loving God, that's the way they like to start it off, right? If God is such a loving God, then why does he send people to hell? Then if God is such a loving God, then what about all the other religions? And, and, and surely God just didn't pick one religion and, and everybody else is wrong. And, and, and they begin to put out these big philosophical questions that, that are impossible to answer because we're not God. And so we can't answer that. But here's what I know about God. And as, as long as I've been in Christianity and been on the mission field and, and, and studying, and, and here's what I know about God, is that God is not uh, hampered by mankind. All right? Now, there may be a lot of places that the gospel is not preached right now in this world. There's a place called the 1040 Window. It's over in Africa and in the Middle East in that area. And it's, it's predominantly Muslim over there. And they're like, well, what about those people that never get to hear the gospel? Well, let me tell you something. God is not bound by time and location and stuff. And God reveals himself to each and every person across the world. It doesn't matter what religion they are. It doesn't matter where they live. It doesn't matter if they have a TV or not. God can reveal himself to anybody at any place at any time for any reason. And I believe that he does. And, and, and he, he reveals his heart to them and, and he draws them with the goodness. And, and there's a lot of people that reject that in their life. And, and, and that's sad. Uh, but, but I believe that God reveals himself to every single person. And so... You know, all of these arguments about, well, if God's such a loving God, God loves, he loves everybody so much that he reveals himself to everybody. And everybody has an opportunity to give their life to him. And that's what God does. And so uh, as we're talking about the belt of truth is that the enemy tries to get people to question the truth. 
the truth. And so we need to be ready. We need to gird our loins up with the truth, knowing what the gospel is, knowing what the Bible says about Jesus, and standing firm, being confident and decided in the truth, and that this is what we're going to believe, this is what we're going to live by, and ain't nothing changing my mind. That's how you gird your loins up with truth, the belt of truth. Then he goes on and talks about the breastplate of righteousness. And, and as we kind of dive into that, um, we look at the breastplate. And, and what the breastplate does, it, it's actually, a, a, in the original language, a coat of mail. And so it's meant as an armor piece. And, and, and the purpose uh, was to protect the heart and the emotions or desires as they bear on our decisions. As they bear on our decisions. And so we, we see in, in Proverbs where it tells us to, to guard our heart above all else because out of it flows the issues of life. And so uh, this is what the breastplate of righteousness does. It, it helps protect our heart. It helps to protect our emotions because these are the things that we use to make our decisions in life. Okay? And so he's talking about the breastplate of righteousness. And so the second place that we see the enemy attack is in our righteousness. Now, how many righteous people do we got in the room? Let me tell you something. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are righteous. All right? And, and see, this is why I asked that question, because it makes you feel weird to say, yes, I am righteous. Because we look at ourselves and we see the filthy rags. You know, we see the... You know, the, the stuff that we mess up on and, and all of that stuff. And, and, and we don't see ourselves as righteous. But listen, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you hear that phrase? That we might become we don't have righteousness. We are righteousness. We have become that. And it's not by anything that I've done, but it's by Jesus who took my place on the cross and he, gave, he took on my filthy rags and he gave me his perfection. And so now I have right standing with God because of what Christ did on the cross. All right? So how many righteous people do we got in the house? Thank you. There we go. And so this is what the breastplate of righteousness is. Knowing that you are righteous, this helps to affect my decisions. All right? A lot of times we make decisions based on our strength and our righteousness and the things that we have done. And when we start making decisions from that standpoint, I'm already defeated. I am not worthy. I, I, I hate hearing Christians say that they're not worthy because Christ made you worthy. It's not by anything that you've done, but it's about what Christ has done. And it's the way that God sees you. He sees you as righteous, so let's be righteous. He sees you as holy, so let's be holy. He sees you as saved, so let's be saved. And, and, and so this is what we're talking about, this confidence and this decidedness in that as I put on the breastplate of righteousness, it changes the way that I think and the way that I make decisions because now I'm righteous and so I don't have to sin anymore. Did you know that you don't have to sin? We sin because we make the decision to sin. Boy, that, boy, that preaches, doesn't it, man? That makes you just feel good. Just gives you the good tinglies right there, right? 
Listen, you are set free from the law of sin and death. Sin no longer has control in your life, but we allow it to have control in our life. And I wish that was an easy thing to overcome, but listen, through Christ we can. That's what we're saying. We need to put on this breastplate of righteousness saying that I am right with God. See, righteousness means being approved by God. He puts a stamp of approval on you, all right? And so when you get saved, he puts that stamp on you and it doesn't come off. That stamp doesn't wash off when you mess up. But you are approved because of what Jesus did for us. And we need to learn to live in our righteousness and not fight for righteousness. You can't earn it. You can't gain it. You can't do good enough stuff to be called righteous. Just live in what Christ has already given you and quit the the rat race of trying to become righteous. Because it's impossible. Because you're already there. The breastplate of righteousness on there. All right, we got one more and I'm five seconds over already. Here we go. Verse 15, it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I I love this imagery of of the shoes and the feet. I've always thought this was weird. In Isaiah 52, seven, it says, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. I've never seen beautiful feet. I don't know, i just not made that way. But uh, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who s- proclaim salvation, who says, Zion, your God reigns. So what is it about the feet, the shoes? And, and it talks about the readiness of it. You, you know, when I'm getting my kids ready in the morning, getting ready for school, you know, they come down and they're, they're dressed and they've eaten breakfast. I said, have you brushed your hair? Have you brushed your teeth? Do you got your backpack? Do you got all this stuff? Yes, I'm ready to go. And I say, well, do you got your shoes on? No, you're not ready until you put your shoes on, right? You know what I'm saying? You're not walking out the door without your shoes. As Christians, we need to put our shoes on, okay? We need to be ready to go. When we have our shoes on, that means we're ready to go at that point. And so... We're, we're talking about the gospel of peace. And, and what this is actually talking about as you dive in and study is, is it's talking about the assurance of your salvation. See, need, we need to be ready. We need to be ready with the assurance that, that we are saved. All right? See, one of the things growing up that I struggled with was, and I don't know what this was. It was attack of the enemy, I guess, but... But I was always scared that like if I'm driving in the car and we have a car wreck and I cuss and then I die that I'm going to hell. I've always had that thought in my mind. and like, I, if I'm ever in a car wreck, I need to keep my mouth shut so it doesn't send me to hell. You know, it, I was never taught that. I don't know what that was. But, but we, we get this weird stuff in our mind about, you know, uh, am I saved? Am I going to heaven? And, and, and we've got to know that... When, when God gives you salvation, it's not a temporary thing. It's not a, you know, until you mess up next time. And, and I had this such a guilt conscience growing up and that I would have a guilt, you know, feel guilty about something and I would repent. And I would repent like five or six times in a row within just a minutes of time and just hoping that was enough, you know, for God to forgive me so I wouldn't die and go to hell. And I'm just like, I, I, I missed the point of God's grace in my life. You know, we don't have to be 
so caught up and worried about, am I going to die and go to hell? What was? Because God's promises are yes and amen. And when he puts his stamp of approval, see, the Holy Spirit is the deposit deed of your salvation. When you have the Holy Spirit deposited in your life, that is your guarantee of your salvation. All right? And nothing can separate you from the love of God, not heights, nor depths, nor angels, or demons, or nothing. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And so why are we fighting so much in ourselves, wondering if I'm enough? When Jesus dying on the cross made us enough. See, a lot of us aren't ready because we're not sure of our salvation. That, that we, we feel like we're still trying to earn it. We're still trying to get there. That, that I'm not enough yet for salvation. And that, that I'm not sure. Well, let me tell you something, guys. If God puts his stamp of approval on you, you're good. All right? You're not earning anything anyway. You can't earn it. And so why are we trying to earn it? And, and it's the, the rat race of the Christianity is that we're trying to earn something that we already have. And so the devil keeps us running in the, in the cage over here, wasting our time, and we're never effective for the kingdom of God. Do you got your shoes on? Do you know that you're ready? See, next week we're going to dive into the next three and talk about the other pieces of armor. But it's interesting as we, we look at this, See, the, the devil makes us question truth. He makes us question our righteousness. He makes us question our salvation. And if we're not confident and decided in these things, then we're never going to be standing firm. We're always going to be picking ourselves off the ground, and we're never going to get to the place to where God needs us to be, to where we're confident, standing strong, and bringing people into the kingdom of God. Saying, you people, don't, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live under that condemnation. You don't have to live under that guilt because Christ paid the price for it. Come get your salvation. Come be a part of the family of God. And let's live this life. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to be doing, not fighting about politics. Oh, I went back there, didn't I? Oh. We better pray. Father, we love you. God, thank you that you've already provided everything that we need. God, and as we put these things on, it's not an earning thing, God. It's not any, God, but it's something that you've given us to stand firm in what you've already given us. God, help us to change our thinking, change the way that we see ourselves, God. Help us to see ourselves as righteous. Help us to see ourselves as the redeemed. God, help us to see the truth of the gospel and stand firm in these things, God, so that we can be effective for your kingdom. Father, we thank